Ready weapons? Never thought we'd go out this way. Aim! Wait! This is wrong, and we all know it. The General is making a mistake, and he needs to be called on it. No clone should have to go out this way! We are loyal soldiers. We follow orders, but we are not a bunch of unthinking droids! We are men. We must be trusted to make the right decisions. Especially when the orders we are given are wrong! Fire! You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight the same as your father. Here we go. I have a bad feeling about this. Follow me, boys! You're not shinies anymore. Go, go, go! Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Clone Wars Strikes Back. This is the podcast where we go back and celebrate the six-year history of the Emmy award-winning animated series Star Wars The Clone Wars by discussing each and every episode arc. It's a it's a new year, and that means we've got more episodes of The Clone Wars to talk about, and we've got a great show for you this week. We're talking the Umbara arc from Season 4. This is a huge arc with major ramifications for a lot of our favorite characters. Let's jump into it, but first, introductions are in order. My name is Dominic, and joining me, as always, is my good friend, Kieran. Hello, Dominic. How are you doing today? I am doing great. I'm so excited to be talking about this episode. these episodes. They are just huge episodes, and, and there's so much in there uh, that's worth worthy of discussion. And joining us to help us uh, talk uh, talk about these episodes, he hasn't been on in a, quite some time. He was on like the first two episodes, and then he disappeared. He went into hiding like Luke Skywalker in Episode Seven. We had, we had no idea where he was. Uh, but joining us from the Irish garrison of the Five O First is Mr. Chris Lynn. Chris, welcome back, and how have you been, my friend? Yeah, I've been good. It's good to be here. Uh, really excited to be back on a what's become a fantastic podcast, I think, and. Got some fantastic Clone Wars episodes to talk about as well. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for having me. Oh well, welcome back, and uh, well, well, hopefully we'll be able to have you on again. Hopefully, you don't have to wait another year before you show up. Yeah, again. hopefully, yeah. <laughs> um, but well, let's let's jump into it. We're talking about the Umbara arc from season four. Kieran, do you have the episode descriptions for us? I do indeed, Dominic, and we'll start off with darkness on Umbara. When Anakin is forced to temporarily turn over command of his clone troopers to a new commander, the Jedi Pong Krell, tensions begin to run high as the clones are assigned with a very deadly mission to take the capital of Umbara. The second episode in this four-part arc, named The General, General Krell orders Captain Rex and the clone troopers of the 501st Legion to conquer a heavily fortified Umbaran base and will not accept anything less than victory. It is almost... It is an almost certain suicide mission unless the clones can use their ingenuity to defeat their new enemy. The third episode in this four-part arc is titled Plan of Descent. After a public conquers an Umbaran airbase, General Krell orders Rex and his men on towards the heavily fortified capital. 
Realising there's a better plan, several clone troopers disobey orders to carry out a rogue covert operation. And finally, the final part, the final episode in this four-part arc named Carnage of Krell. With two of his men facing execution for disobeying orders, Captain Rex must confront his overly aggressive commander, General Krell. Risking charges of mutiny, Rex must take must make a dark choice as the true face of the enemy emerges. Yes, yes. It, these are absolutely phenomenal episodes, in my opinion. Uh, but we'll get into into that in, in just a second. Uh, you know, I, I think back to when these episodes came out back in 2000, 2011. Um, and I remember there was sort of a, a very mixed reaction to them as they were airing. Because they were built up as this huge, important arc and this big, huge action arc, which in a lot of ways they were. But I, I know a lot of people felt they didn't work as individual episodes. And I, and I kind of felt that way myself. And when I sat down uh, with the season four box set when it came out and was able to watch them one right after another, they really came across as as a much a very different arc is much better <laughs> they work as one large story in my opinion uh a lot better than they do as four individual episodes and i think this sort of really represented a shift for the clone wars where it became less about making 22 minutes of star wars for one week and more about making sort of 88 minutes of star wars that will be sp split up over four weeks and when put together as one story they they play a lot better than they necessarily do as as individual episodes and i would quite frankly like to see this arc put together for one of those uh i don't know director's cut cinematic release type things where they they take out the narration at the beginning of each episode and they just cut from from you know all the way from what's, what was the first one darkness on a bar all the way to, to carnage of krell and you just got everything in there uh but i'm curious what you guys think uh chris since you're the guest i'll ask you this first um What's what were your overall impressions of this arc, and have they changed at all since 2011? Yeah, I mean, I this is definitely one of my favorite arcs. Naturally, being a, a five hundred first guy, of course, can't not really get into these episodes, of course. And I'm a huge clone fan, but I think the nature of this arc it, it naturally has to change on second viewing. And I think because you have the whole mystery of is Krell incompetent? Is, is Krell evil? And obviously, on a second viewing, you know, and you're you're sort of looking for those those hints and those clues and at what points is, is Krell trying to mislead his clone. So I think it it goes on It's because it's a thriller sort of storyline. And I think that means just it has to be different on a second viewing. But I think it, it holds up really well. Um, and as you said at the start of the show, it's, it is a pivotal, pivotal arc for mm -hmm. a lot of these characters, particularly for Captain Rex. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Huge, huge arc for Rex. And, uh, Kieran, I'll get, before we, before we get into how this arc was important for Rex, let's ask you, uh, what were your overall impressions of, of this arc and, and have they changed since 2011? I, I would say that they haven't changed dramatically because I really became endeared to these episodes when I first saw them, when they first aired on the television. And so, for, I understand some people's concerns and i guess disenchantment with the structure of these episodes as you said individually some people have not been as uh, as happy um with how they were actually executed because they they aren't individual story arcs they are just one four part it is one 88 minute movie really and that's really how it it, it should have been showcased that way 
as I said, I had no major qualms with it at the time. I know some people thought, for example, that the the episode The General was a little bit repetitive. And the reason why they thought it was re- repetitive and they didn't really like that is because they weren't able to ascertain the, the grand story which which befall which had befallen this four part arc. It really fleshes the the plot line and the character development, particularly of the clones, but also it just intensifies that feud between General Krell and the clone troopers. So I think, as, as you have said there, Dominic, that the combination of these episodes unified under one banner, under one arc, is is a better way to watch these episodes than individually. But overall impressions would be that this was a phenomenal arc. It's, as you said, it's definitely one of my favourite arcs in the entire series. It's groundbreaking, and it really does change, I think, the complexion, not just of Rex's character, but really our interpretation of the clones particularly if this was the if you, if you were a child watching this this, is, this was your first viewing of any star wars film or television series then you really do get this this different interpretation of of the clone troopers and i think that's that's fascinating in itself and i can't wait to really explore and and actually discuss in depth how this story arc in particular has dramatically altered the the trajectory of the clone troopers and our viewing of the 501st legion yeah absolutely absolutely i want to touch on something you just said there about um, the episode feeling uh repetitive at times and because i i do remember back when these episodes were airing kind of having that thought myself of of, okay didn't we kind of go over this last week and and again it, it comes down to the fact that this is one big story that is meant to be seen all at once, I think more so than, uh, as, as individual episodes. And, and that's something that in seasons one and two and, and three to, to a certain extent is the episodes were contained individually, but when put together, they made a bigger story. The best example of that is the, the new Gunray trilogy from season one, where everything seemed like just a standalone episode, but then kept connecting, uh, each, each and every week. And that's sort of what they're doing right now on Star Wars Rebels. Uh, but with this arc, it did kind of feel like at times they were just saying the same thing over and over again. But when you watch it in in all at once, it does play out, I, I think, the way that they wanted it to. And with everybody not seeming like they're just <laughs> they're just repeating themselves like I am right now. And and I think part of the problem was that when you have seven days between moments or moments in a story is that, you know, people talk about it and people keep talking about it and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what we should be doing is it's talking about these stories. And as a result, you know, we were ahead of the characters, I think at, at certain points, I think we were ahead of the clones and realizing, you know, what Krell was really doing. And that kind of uh, turned into a, a bit of a hindrance for, for this arc. And, you know, that was a bit unfortunate because it didn't get the, I think, necessarily the praise it, it fully deserved. Uh, but let's, let's get into these episodes. Let's just start at the beginning and talk about the overall invasion of Umbara. This was a, an interesting arc because, you know, usually when the Republic, in, we see the Republic invade a planet, it's because the, the separatists are holding the people hostage and, and, and they're mistreating the people and they're ruining the planet. And, and, you know, that's sort of what we see on Ryloth and Onderon and um, all these different planets. In this arc, we see the Republic just kind of invading 
for the sake of strategy or, or for the sake of invading because clearly the Umbarans are on the separatist side. I mean, they're fighting alongside them. Uh, they're, they're using their ships and their technology to, to fight the clones. It was a, it, it, it was kind of shocking to see. It was, it was sort of the darker side of the Republic. And, and I'm curious what you guys thought of that. So, Kieran, what do you think of seeing the Republic just kind of invading basically for the sake of sake of the war and not being the good guys we're used to them, seeing them being? I think it illustrates the fact that the Republic and the Jedi have really lost their honourable code, the, the Jedi code of um, peacekeepers when they are launching invasions and incursions on, as you've fittingly put it, the, the um, strategic outposts. And I think it just, as I said, demonstrates the fact that ending the war is the priority for the Jedi. And if that means that they have to annex a planet, an entire planet, because it is strategically important then, of course, they're going to have to go ahead and do it. It's, it's interesting as well that this isn't necessarily the first time they've they've done this. I think the, the Geonosis arc, there are a lot of parallels, I think, between that, not just mm. the mm. the idea of having to secure a, um, a significant strategic outpost, but I actually think how the, the nature of these episodes are very, very similar to that. And I think it's, it's as I said, it's a demonstration of the important ambition for the republic to secure and 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 assimilate these planets in order to prevent any any uh, predicaments and uh, troubles from the separatists alliance which i think is it make, makes a lot of sense particularly as we come in towards the end of the war um so for me i think that uh, it, it it added a lot i think to the stakes and it's important to note that in the introduction to these episodes because it really it really informs the audience of what what we're doing here what is the purpose of this mission and in that respect it it was it was a bit of a MacGuffin, really because the the the, ep- the episodes were centered upon the clones and their relationship with pong krell but it's just important to know what the stakes are so for me it it, it did demonstrate the fact that the the Republic are now focused on ending the war rather than, well, supposedly under this banner of protecting and establishing peace throughout the galaxy. But clearly from an outsider's point of view, a neutral point of view, it does look like the Republic is just invading for the sake of invading. Yeah. And and you mentioned something that, you know, the the Republic and the clones are kind of losing their 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 moral high ground in in, in these episodes. We see that again with with Captain Rex. Uh, he sees a, a an Embaran who was was in one of the tanks who has, has survived the explosion in the tank and he kind of stumbles out of the out of the out of the tank and and Rex just shoots him point blank very very pre-Vizsla, like very much like what we saw pre-Vizsla do in season 2 and it was there's another one of these shocking moments where we're st- sort of seeing really, you know, how, how war is, is changing these characters. So, uh, Chris, I'll, I'll ask you, you know, what, what were your thoughts on sort of seeing the clones in this kind of almost, uh, less than heroic, uh, less than heroic way? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the most violent times we see the clones. Certainly mm-hmm. the example you gave, he, he basically executes a guy writhing on the ground quite early <laughs> on in the battle, and there's there's constant shots of clones pinning guys down and, and executing them, and it, you kind of have to... It reminds you that these are the clones that end up marching on the Jedi Temple in Revenge of the Sith. You know, these are the best of the best. Uh, they're, they're Anakin Skywalker's badass troopers, and... These guys are capable of marching into the Jedi Temple and, and taking everyone out. And I think it, it speaks, one, to that. It also speaks to just, like we were saying earlier, about how the, the Jedi were losing their, their, their moral high ground. The, the clones as well are just getting... They're just getting that much more brutal and dirtier with it, and there's no compassion in this fight at all. Yeah. What, what I thought was interesting, though, and I don't know is it... It probably is just a production limitation, but do you notice that all the Umbarans look exactly the same? <laughs> Are they also using clone troopers? I mean, it's not entirely out of the question, and it's sort of a, a fun fantasy to think, but you have the likes of Kamino, and, and what were they manufacturing before they were manufacturing Feklins? You know, are, are there other armies in the galaxy purchasing clones? Or Yeah. That, know, it's, it's a fun thought. Yeah, that is an interesting <laughs> question. I mean, you know, clearly Dex, Dexter Jetster, uh, had heard of heard of the clone or heard of Camino and yeah. them as cloners, and so like you know you, you bring up an interesting point. Did they did the did the Kaminoans do other armies? Because clearly they have these these quite elaborate yeah. training program programs. Did that just sort of come up as 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 a nece- necessity for the Republic, or was that something they had been doing before? And that there are there are armies or maybe not full armies but squads of clones that are out there they're doing stuff that could be an interesting sort of side story sometime is you know almost like a some kind of super villainy type thing you know, <laughs> you know where there's four guys that look exactly the same and they're all robbing intergalactic banks and it's <laughs> it's up to some <laughs> jedi to stop them or something you know you could do something something fun like that 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 is an interesting point to bring up it's something in, something for the uh, for the story group to think about in the future well, I think that was pretty much corroborated, wasn't it, in the Darth Plagueis novel. Um, Darth Plagueis yeah. and Darth Sidious obviously have their conversation about building and manufacturing a clone army, but they weren't really sure what species that they they were intent on on create on, on having this armed force based on. Um, would it be live sentience? Would it be droids? And these were the questions that they were clearly quizzing themselves about at that time so as you've said there chris it definitely alludes to the fact that maybe these embarans are examples of cloned species it wouldn't be surprising because as as, i didn't actually think about that point but it's really fascinating when you look at these embarans and you can obviously glean the fact that they look identical to one another and there is no distinction in physical appearance, um, anything really, and so that's that's the question that definitely should be put to the story group. Yeah, well, then there's there's the obvious answer that you know, like like you said, Chris, it, it could just be it's production, production yeah. limitations. You know, there's only so many so many different environments that they can design in so much time, and there because they, you know, they this is this this arc. There's a lot of new stuff that the the enemy is almost all new. It's a they, all new tech for for the Umbarans, a whole new planet. There's there's all kinds of sort of new that was made for this arc that maybe uh, unfortunately the 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 appearance of the Umbarans took a took a backseat. Uh, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about talk about Rex in this arc because Rex kind of goes through this very interesting uh, character journey because at the beginning of the arc, you know he's he's with Anakin, he's he's the Rex we're used to, but as soon as Anakin leaves. 
uh, you know, Rex tries to, you know, stay, for lack of a better term, true to himself <laughs> um, with, with, with Krell. And he's following orders, but he starts to, to start questioning them. And it, and it brings up a, an interesting point about the clones, because in episode two, we heard, you know, the clones, are, you know, take any orders without question. And in this arc, we see that they don't necessarily do that. And we see that Fives and Jesse and Hardcase, they disobey orders. And at, it gets to the point where Rex disobeys orders. So is this, is this a result of, of, of Anakin, it, of these clones spending so much time with Anakin and Anakin's sort of unique ways? Or is, is, cause I wonder, are, are there more Jedi out there that are like Krell that think clones are, you know, just disposable? Or, or are they all more like Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka who think of the, think of the the clones as as actual people um, karen what do you think yeah but that's definitely an interesting point you raised there um i think the idea that these uh, that as you said that rex's demeanor changes when considering his relationship with with jedi upon krell and anakin skywalker i think it's reflected on the the temperament of the generals themselves Clearly, he had a lot more freedom under uh, Rex and the 501st Legion had a lot more freedom under the tenure of Anakin Skywalker. And in a way, they were encouraged to be individualistic and and actually prove to to, to the uh, commanding officer that they could think outside the box. I think that was demonstrated in a Darkness and Mara episode at the start when Rex is um, he, he recommends um to to Anakin Skywalker that they should uh, when when the Embarans have, have launched an assault on them a second time that they should head over to the ridge and let the bombers just um decimate the the Embarans. and uh, Anakin Skywalker says something to the effect of you know good idea Rex Bonkrell is a complete contrast to that he doesn't accept anything that the clones say and well we get we'll get into his character a little bit more later but obviously he has his reasons for not approving any of the clone strategies. Um, and I think that, of course, is going to have an impact on Rex. And we really see his character as, as developed. His storyline in particular is fleshed out throughout this arc. And I believe that although we never really got um, a climax to Rex's story arc, again, it's open-ended. We may well get something in the future. I hope we do, even if it's in novel format. Then I'm assuming that, uh, w- w- that this arc here really... I think acts as a symbol for Rex's future, uh, particularly that final scene with Pong Krell. Um, I think that really foreshadows in Rex's fate when it comes to, to Order 66 and, and the choices that he takes, which I think is definitely fascinating to consider. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Chris, sticking with, with Rex here, I mean, this this arc, like Kieran said, really does bring up some some interesting points about where he would go. Like what 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 would happen to Rex when Order sixty six goes down? Um, you know, we saw in the the Order sixty six arc uh, from season six that it it may not necessarily be something that you can consciously avoid doing. But I, I wonder if you know these clones almost got to the point where some of them, like someone like Rex, could. Uh, override sort of that chip and and his compassion and and all of these things that he learned from Anakin this sort of belief in 
in in his brotherhood with 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 all these different with all these with all these clones of himself and you know this this clear relationship that he has with Anakin and this respect that him and Anakin have for each other where you know if if the if the call was made on order 66 could he have been able to uh actually pull the trigger we saw that he couldn't bring himself to kill Krell uh i and you know you wonder about why is is it just a, a morality thing or is it something about rex where he doesn't he still believes in in the jedi even though he's been through this horrific experience with with Krell basically torturing him mentally for this entire arc or or is it just that you know when order 66 comes down all the clones have to go through with it and that's the the tragedy of these of these characters is that they don't have a choice is that you know they started out not having a choice people like anakin and obi-wan gave them the or the permission and the ability to have a choice and then in the end it it all came down to programming again yeah i mean I, I personally would take it that the, the clones don't really have a choice when it comes to Order 66. I think from what you see in Episode 3 and what we saw in the Order 66 arc, I, I don't think a clone would be capable of overriding the chip, per se. But I, what I would think, though, is that having been through the Order 66 arc, having seen what happened to Fives, mm-hmm. I could imagine Rex going down a similar path between where the last missions end and by the time we get to Revenge of the Sith. And what I think is kind of interesting is we were talking about how Anakin Skywalker has sort of rubbed off on these clones and it's it's affected them. You know, Anakin is not one for following the rules. And this group of clones, you know, Hardcase, Jesse, Fives, Rex, they're sort of, they have picked that up from Anakin. I totally agree with Karen on that. But what I think is interesting is when you see Anakin in Revenge of the Sith with the 501st, they're all that white and blue standard uniform, whereas this group are all really unique and they're and they're nowhere to be seen. You know, mm-hmm. is is there a missing story somewhere that wiped them all out? Did they all leave? Did they all just die through attrition over time? And yeah, it's it's quite bittersweet watching some of this Clone Wars stuff. You know, some of these these, these are some of the best arcs. There's fantastic character development for Rex, and as to date, you know, we haven't seen the payoff for this. We don't know where it's going, but. I personally believe that something happens to this group of clones just because they're not about in Revenge of the Sith. And mm-hmm. I know it, it is, again, back to, like, the Umbaran clones, it is a production thing. You know, the Clone Wars show was a twinkle in, in Lucas's eyes when he was doing Revenge of the Sith. But I personally would take it that Filoni and Kree would have come up with an excuse for none of these guys to be in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. I don't know. You guys think of that? Yeah, that, that that is a fascinating point. It's something I never really thought about is that, you know, when Anakin does march on on the Jedi Temple, all of the all of the clone troopers are very standardized. And, you know, we just went through six seasons of seeing these guys, you know, personalizing their armor and, and, and being different and, and learning to be different. You almost wonder if at a certain point, maybe the Jedi sort of said, OK, enough is enough. Let's we have to get serious here. Maybe that was an order that came from from Palpatine or, or, or who knows yeah. why that could have happened. But that that's a very interesting point. And. And like you said, production issues, blah, 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 blah. We can yeah. explain it all the way in the real world, but it's it's more fun to think about why why that wouldn't be happening. And I, yeah. I definitely agree that there probably is a story, story there about that. And it's just a matter of if and when that story ever gets told. Uh, well, actually, well, you also uh, have in there, sorry, um, Commander Apu. I think he's Captain Apu or some other title Sergeant, Apu yeah. in this arc. And he is the main guy in the 501st by the time of Revenge of the Sith. 
And you see him and he's standing back beside Corell in this arc. And he's got just the standard blue and white clones behind him. And it's almost like they're waiting to march in there and take the place of these other guys. So yeah. it's kind of what got me thinking down this path. Yeah, well, I, yeah, that was that was one of those things uh, when when the arc first aired was like when they when they mentioned Apo, it was like okay, there, there's there's something here. Why is he? You know, we we've been waiting for him yeah. to show up. What? How is he going to wind up taking over for Rex? And and you know, you mentioned sort of uh, you imagined that, that Rex's story would be similar to to Five's in in the Order sixty six arc. Cause I, I totally agree. I think that everything that we've seen Rex go through from all the way back in, in season one or, or, you know, really before the movie with the, with the, the clone who was passing information onto the separatist right through the deserter and, and into episodes like this, plus just being around Anakin and, 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 and all that, you know, he would probably begin to wonder. He would, you know, all these things that he's heard and, and seen between fives going crazy and, and Krell with this whole thing about there's a new power rising. You almost wonder if Rex would uh, sort of go looking into this himself and, and that could be his downfall. And who knows, maybe it was Apo that, that stopped him, but <laughs> kind of getting into, to, you know, speculative, <laughs> speculative, uh, uh, you know, who knows what could happen there. So let's, let's, let's get back into these episodes. Let's actually talk about fives. Uh, fives really more so than, than any of the clones, uh, or, or really definitely more so than Rex is, is, is okay with not following the orders with, Going against, uh, going against Krell, is that something to do with with you know everything he's been through with 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 Domino Squad? He's another one of these clones that we've watched for quite a long time, and we've seen him a lot of his experiences. Or could it be something to do with maybe the fact that he's an art trooper? He's given the ability to do a little bit more. I I wonder how and why Fives is is so much more willing to question it than than Rex. So, Kieran, I'll, I'll ask you what what do you think. Well, it's got to be the experiences of of his life, really, through through the uh, stages in, of him growing up on Camino. Obviously, then there is the Rishi Moon outpost um, mission that he had to um, enact there, plus Ark Troopers. I mean, there are just so many instances that we can see where Fives has different experiences to to most clones. Mm-hmm. And I think as added with the fact he has the authority now as an ARC trooper, certainly to enunciate his own thoughts and feelings. Um, he's a high-ranking officer. And I think that Rex really respects that. I, I think that the relationship between Rex and Fives is very, very interesting in the in this particular arc. And you can see that, in a way, they're both confidants to each other and they need each other really to to balance balance it out um i i think that fives is his storyline is as tragic as many of the other clones but in some ways you could say it was more so i think that story that you alluded to when we were talking about the speculation there of where rex's story may end up um of him maybe trying to track down this dark force that is rising. Well, I think that's something that, that Fives' arc eventually endeavoured to to do. Um, you could easily substitute his character for Rex, for example, in and put that put Rex in that storyline, and that well that may well have been Rex's fate. But I think it's just it's just in, interesting to see how, as you said, Fives really um, from Krell's perspective is 
um, is enacting a an act of sedition. But in reality, he's standing up for the clones because he knows that they're individuals and they should be treated that way as well, which yeah. is something that Krell never ever endeavours to to do so because he thinks he's superior to them. And so we, we as an audience, oh, at least I would say so, I don't know about you two, I think that I felt a lot of sympathy towards his character. I wanted Fives to succeed, but the trouble was every time that Fives did succeed, it meant that he was closing down on this path mm-hmm. to being court-martialed, to death. Yeah. And that's really the the emotional and the and the tragic side of having to support these individual clones because in reality they are genetically engineered species and they're trying to break away from that but only by um, actually examining a storyline from the clone's perspective are we actually able to ascertain the fact that these clones are individual personalities yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, you mentioned his, his experiences in, in that, you know, he, he is definitely in the sort of the thought process of, of these are these, these clones are, are his brothers. And, and you really, you look back on his story and everything he went through with, with Domino Squad and how dysfunctional they were at first and how they grew to, to be together. And, and then he ultimately has watched all of them be killed off. You know, there was there was the, the the three on the Rishi moon that that went down, and then then Echo later at the Citadel. That you know, Fives' story is is very tragic. So he's obviously you know, he he's been he's been around these clones for so long that he he respects them and 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 has come to really care for them. And then he knows how painful it is to to lose these these brothers, and so it makes sense that he would really stand up to Krell in a way that. Even Rex wouldn't, because as much as Rex has grown with with many of these characters, I, I don't think he's had quite the same connection with with a certain group of clones the same way that Fives did with with Echo and 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 the other guys and Heavy and, and Cut Up and Droid Bait and, and all those guys and the way that they all grew together and then they were basically all killed off and and left with Fives. Uh, so yeah, it, it's definitely a, an interesting interesting look at at Fives's backstory. Uh, but uh, you got to bring up something else that's interesting about him being an art trooper. And I- I'm curious what you think of this, Chris. Do you think that um, when a clone gets promoted like that, they sort of – is? do you think there's any adjustment to their programming that they – or to their, their mental uh, their mental capabilities where they're given a little bit more freedom? Because I know in the, in the old Legends universe, some of the uh, – some of the commandos and, and, and art troopers and stuff were able to – or had were given more free thinking in ways that the regular clone troopers were, or is that just a, a something that comes with with uh, you know Fives' experiences and you know being around Anakin and Obi Wan and, and Jedi like that? Is there so is, is there something physical about this ability, uh, this capability of Fives to stand up, or is it all based on his past? Yeah, um, I, I don't know. If it would be anything physical. I mean, it, it's hard to say because we don't know exactly how any sort of mental engineering or brainwashing is carried out on the clones. And we, we know obviously that they have the chip, but I think it could be hard to just upgrade a chip uh, when it's made of cells and stuff like that. I don't know. I think the clone might notice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember in the EU, particularly in the, uh, I don't know if you're allowed to mention uh, Karen Travis when talking about <laughs> the Clone Wars, but um, in those books, I remember there was a big deal with where the commandos all thought that the, the basic trooper was 
dumbed-down version of themselves, wasn't free-thinking, and a couple of books in, spoilers for anyone that hasn't read this no longer canon book, um, <laughs> they work out that one of the troopers is just as free-thinking as them, uh-huh. and they sort of promote him, and, and I know that that stuff is obviously now all part of the legends, um, but I still like to imagine that's sort of how it works. You know, he may well have had further training to become an ARC trooper, and I think... Kieran's quite right in that that authority probably makes it harder for him to listen to Krell and a mixture of that between, yeah, absolutely his connection to, to the other clones. But no, I, I, do, I think it will have been more training, better equipment, and just the experience of having a bit more freedom to self-determine as an ARC trooper has probably led him to where he is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, let, let's let's talk about the big guy. Let's talk about General Krell. He's, his species is the the basilisk. The basilisk uh, is the four armed guy, sort of like Dex, Dexter Jetster. And I remember the uh, the weekend before these episodes started airing back in 2011, I went to a, a little mini uh, action figure expo, or it's basically just the the. Uh, the you know the the floor of a convention where where the vendors are all there and they're selling stuff. It's basically just that sort of in a hotel conference room, and uh, I went to to one of those in Toronto and I picked up a Dexter Jetster action, action figure because I was so excited for this arc and I was so intrigued by this this new Jedi that uh, you know I wanted to to somehow pay tribute to him and that meant buying the, the action figure of only the only other character of his species that has a name and so it, it was very, it, it's one of those things because we see dexter jester and dave filoni kind of talks about this in the uh the featurette for this arc uh, on on the blu-ray where you know dexter jester is sort of the big fat guy who sits around watching watching sports watch i guess watching pod racing in this and then you sort of have sort of the trimmed down version of him with with pong krell and it was it's was sort of one of those things that the clone wars did so well and it's just kind of ironic that we brought up the, the whole um uh, all in Barnes look-alike thing is that they they would take these characters that we were kind of used to being all one way and uh, turn them into something that we weren't expecting. Uh, but I'll just start off simply by asking you guys: um, at what point did you clue into the fact that that Krell was act- actively trying to kill clones or get the clones to kill themselves or uh, you know rooting for them to fail? Was it you know did you sort of get a hint of it right away or was it until that? Until you know they started shooting at each other, <laughs> that you kind of realized, okay, this guy's pretty bad. So, so Kieran, I'll ask you first. When did you kind of clue into this fact? Uh, if you remember, for the first time you watched these episodes. Oh, I definitely do remember, and it it was actually at that moment that you just alluded to when the clones started shooting at each other. Obviously, I wasn't naive enough to believe that there wasn't something fishy going on with with Pong Krell. I mean, there were a number of hints. Um, that had really been showcased throughout this entire arc. One of the more poignant moments clearly was in the general episode when the clones, um, Hardcase and Fives, had successfully commandeered those starfighters and saved Rex and his crew from from death. And obviously you see the glimpse into Krell's face, which um, has has the fire in yeah. the eye, which is very, very reminiscent, I guess, of what we see with the, the yellow eyes. They're usually linked onto the Sith. And it was definitely something that was that was talked about, that was um, quizzed about, but it doesn't necessarily meant that there was any real substantial evidence to actually justify one's claims. It could easily believe that 
he was um, an extreme version of the Jedi Order in the same way that Mace Windu was when it came to the clones. He was very strict and he expected them to obey his command to the letter. Um, but yeah, for me, the moment definitely dropped when um, the clones started shooting at each other. I mean, I have to say, that last episode in this arc is just one of the best episodes, not just in the Clone Wars, but I think in television uh, in general. Yeah. I think the, the, the dramatic moments of the clones shooting each other and then Krell revealing himself... Um, was just fantastic. I mean, well, he, as well as the fact we have the Fives execution, Krell execution, I think just all of that combined made that a perfect, perfect episode. So, um, again, just to quickly round off, I would say that the moment was the clones shooting each other. But uh, what about you, so What about yourself, Chris? What was the moment that uh, the penny dropped for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I had uh, suspicions all through. And obviously this came out one episode per week. There, were, there wasn't even any double bills in this one. And... Uh, we were discussing it all week and what's going on here, what's happening here. And But what I actually thought was going on in this arc was that this was actually going to be the death of Rex arc. And oh. that um, Krell's <laughs> either attitude and competence or just his way and technique was going to lead to, to Rex's death in some way. But I sort of had in the back of my mind that maybe Krell was a bit dodgy. And as you referenced, Kieran, the him looking out over the, the battlefield and the, and the fire effect in his eyes was very Sith. But I think it... It wasn't until, as you say, the clones shot at each other that you knew for sure. Um, but at that, at that moment, I had absolutely no doubt at all. Yeah, yeah, and and for me, I, I it, it, again, I, I, I kind of with you, Chris, that I, I sort of felt that something was was off with this guy for the entire entire run of the these episodes. Um, but again, it wasn't until they really started shooting at each other. I'd like to say I figured it out from the beginning, but you know, it was just kind of. You know, it was it was pulled off so well because you weren't sure the entire time. You were just kind of questioning, you know, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he doing it this way? Is this just is this how other Jedi treat their clones? Is this one of those things where we're going to wind up contrasting General Krell with with Anakin and seeing, um, you know, how different they are and and why you know Anakin was more susceptible to to attachment and all that. And and it I, it wasn't until that they they finally started shooting at each other that it kind of realized okay. Yeah, he's he's a bad guy. He's he's gone over to the dark side. But that's what's fascinating, I think, with this particular arc is if we were watching this arc from the perspective of the Jedi, or the same way that really we watched the movies, mm. uh, we didn't we didn't actually delve into the clones' characters, and they do seemingly represent these automatons. Okay, they're sentients, but again, they're manufactured, genetically engineered to obey and heed Jedi protocol. So it's only when we actually um, put our minds into the into the clones, into the mindsets of the clones, that we can actually empathize and, and comprehend their viewing of these events. That's when we sympathize with Rex and and the 501st Legion, because we know that inherently, um, for lack of a better term, they are quote-unquote good, you know, they're honourable, they follow their code. And that's why um, when we are looking at it from their perspective, it still was quite... We we knew something was off with Krell, but we didn't exactly know what it was. Um, As he said, he he was detached from the clones, but then, as as the Jedi Code uh, mandates... Well, you are supposed to forego a cha- attachment. So, is that necessarily something Sith, 
or is that still something Jedi? And so, as we say, as we've all really um, agreed upon, it was only and it was only that scene in Carnage of Krell when the clones began to attack each other that we really realised this guy was a crook and a villain. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and really, you know, in, when it comes to villains, he's really one of the most sadistic and, and, and really one of the most evil villains we, we've ever had. He, he has these, these clones basically killing each other, not once, but, but twice. He tries to have a firing squad of clone troopers take out, uh, fives and, and Jesse. I mean, he, he just kind of has, you know, he doesn't even bother to do it himself. He gathers a whole bunch of clones and has them shoot at each other. It, and then of course there's the whole thing with the, the two sides, um, you know, killing each other. And that is also one of the most, you know, those, those two moments, not only are they very sort of evil moments for Krell, they're also some of the most emotional moments in the entire series for both Rex and Fives. I mean, you have Fives just impassioned plea and there's, there's, there's like choral music and everything. And, and that's, you know, one of those signs in Star Wars that it's, it's a huge moment. And then, you know, when Rex goes running through the battlefield take with his helmet off, basically, you know, Putting his his life at risk uh, to try and stop this really you know this massacre that's going on of, of clones, it's it's really one of the most evil things that Krell could have done. And he's really, when it comes to Clone Wars villains, I don't I don't know what you guys think, but he is definitely up there for um, most evil. <laughs> I would definitely you know even even Dooku. And, and for all the, the horrible things that Dooku did, and, and, and even in some ways Maul, are all these horrible things that these characters did. Uh, Krell, these, these clones killing clones is, is, is pretty hard to, pretty hard to top. Uh, yeah, I, I think Krell's, he's very cold and, and calculating, um, with the way he's treating these clones, and it's, it's always the most efficient way to achieve something. Well, the easiest way to kill both these clones is to is to get them to kill each other. Um, and what I wonder with with Krell is, is is for how long was he you know consciously serving the dark side as he is here in Umbara? Because you know they say you know he has the, I think it's, it's the the best record, but he's also got the highest casualties. You know, was it a case that he's been deliberately doing this for a long time, or is he just someone who? thinks very clinically uh, and calculating about battle and that sort of logistical way of thinking that's that's led him down a dark path over time you know he's seen he's done too many dark acts that he's justified as being an efficient way to win a battle or whatever else or or has he always been twisted i don't know i think he always has been twisted i think he always has been twisted and that's really revealed in my from my standing at least in that final those final scenes there in the Carnage of Krell episode, he he obviously senses that there's this new power rising, but he also proclaims fervently that he is superior to the clones. He has this self righteous standing, really. That's what he, yeah. that's his tenet, really, um, and he believes that this um, you know, that he is far more civilized, far more intelligent than these so called empty headed mindless automatons that's who he's addressing right now in his opinion and of course that's certainly a dark side trait really the idea of superiority um definitely uh, well it hasn't been definitely showcased on any um on in the movies or the television on, on television screens but the idea that 
the empire has held slaves. Well, again, they held slaves to these alien species because they felt that the, 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 the Sith lords felt that they were far superior to them. And I think that's a similar trait to what Krell's discussing here. Which, again, is, uh, is very poignant and sad from the clone's perspective, but I think it's, it's an interesting and, uh, and, just, and just adds complexity to, to Krell's character. If throughout this whole time he has been secretly, covertly sabotaging many of the Jedi's missions and, and quests, it, it's just the, the idea of the dark side enshrouding everything. And, you, and people like Krell are left under the radar and no one would necessarily want to suspect it. And why would they? Um, okay, he's had a real, really high cash. He's had the highest casualty rate, but someone's got to have the highest casualty rate. <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, so from that standing, it's just a piece of paper that says, "Oh dear, he's lost a lot of clones." But again, he's detaching himself from it. It's just, for me personally, it would add a lot more complexity uh, to his character if it was to be the case that he had been evil and malign for a long period, as it would also demonstrate the flaws within the Jedi Order that they are, that for them, they're not able to recognise and discern that they have a traitor within their midst. And they, ha- we saw how disbelieving they were, how incredulous it was to believe that Dooku was an evil dude, you know, <laughs> uh, when we came to episode two, he's, uh, Kiadi Mundi's there saying, oh, he's a political idealist, not a murderer. Uh, Padme's adamant, no, he's the one behind this, and the Jedi won't have any of it. And it goes to show, again, this uh, holier-than-thou complexion and um, outlook that they have. They're right. Their dogmatic attitude is one of their major flaws, and the fact that they won't accept that they have traitors within their midst um, is one of those flaws. Yeah, well, that, that that's a very interesting thing to point bring up about about the Jedi and 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 and, and them, you know, maybe kind of turning the other cheek with this guy. Um, but I'm I, I'm kind of I, I you know, Chris, you brought up the whole idea of you know how long has he been at this, and I I really have to wonder. Um, because he did say, you know, the, the, you know, he sensed there's this dark force rising. And in these episodes, his goal was to, uh, you know, ruin the Republic's chances of taking a bar. He was going to cost them the battle. And then he was going to go to Duke, who was sort of like, this is the evidence of, of how I, uh, how I did this. Um, and yet, as you guys mentioned, he has this great record of, of winning battles. And you, you have to wonder, you know, was he maybe, I, I I kind of think that maybe this sort of this transition to the dark side for him was was relatively recent that, you know, it's one of those things. Maybe he was being sort of haunted by these visions and haunted by these visions. and He didn't want to act on them and didn't want to act on them. And then it was only sort of in the time just leading up to this battle that he kind of, that he did. They did act on them and sort of realize, OK, I'm going to go and try and be Count Dooku's new apprentice. I'm not I'm not sticking around with the Republic anymore um, because, you know, it, if if you're trying to impress Dooku by costing the Republic victories, I, being one of the most winningest generals in the war is not not necessarily going to, uh, you know, impress Dooku unless unless it does. Maybe he can sort of say, "Well, I, I was very successful with the Republic, so now I want to join you and I can bring my skills." So it, it's, it's inter- that's that's a very interesting point point you brought up there, Chris, and it's something I'd never considered. I'd, I'd never thought about that. How long has this guy been at his? His evil plan, for, for lack of a better term. term. I, I, well, uh, well, another question that this certainly raises, I guess, is 
whether Krell's turn to the dark side is a reflection of just one of a number of Jedi who have also turned to the dark side. So, for example, he's, he's a beacon. He's a symbol for the corruption of the Jedi Order. And he's clearly not the only individual, I would like to assume, who has followed this trend. Um, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on the idea of having not just Krell, but other Jedis who have fallen down this dark path. I would say more than likely, I'd say it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's it's, it's, the, it's the easy trap for the Jedi to fall into. You know, if we think back to Attack of the Clones, when Yoda says how, how arrogant that even the Masters have become. Um, and I think, yeah, th- this is a huge part of, of Palpatine's plan. You know, this war takes the Jedi out of their comfort zone, out of their moral comfort zone. Um, and Kel- Krell is just one case of this, and it manifests in this way. But I think all the Jedi are affected in different ways, and, and I would imagine that plenty of them fall down a dark path, absolutely. Yeah, well, you, you bring up Palpatine and, and his his big plot here. I'm starting to wonder if, if maybe Palpatine had, had more to do with this arc than we initially um, initially thought. And it, but I'll get into that in just a second. First, I'll, I, I will say I, I agree. I, I do think that the, the Jedi are falling into this trap of, of going to the dark side. And we saw that uh, a little bit in season one with uh, Nadar Veb uh, and, you know, Kit Fisto's old apprentice. And he was, you know, really getting angry with Grievous and saying he's going to pay and he, he, him and the clones were, were getting ready to chop down Grievous's door when Fisto was sort of like, no, 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 guys, let's, let's use the force. Let's think. Let's, let's tr- try and come up with a different way. You know, there are, there are alternatives to fighting. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I want to talk a bit about Palpatine because even though he's not in this arc, it's hard in this era to, um, talk about anything without talking about how it either affects him or how he may have affected it. Um, you know, in the first episode, Anakin gets called away at Palpatine's request, at the Chancellor's request, which right away raises eyebrows. Right away. Anytime Anakin Skywalker is pulled away by, by Palpatine, you sort of realize, okay, well, I wonder what's going on here. Why You start to wonder about that. And then Krell is having these visions of the dark side, of the dark side rising. And yet in episode two, Yoda is saying, you know, the, the, the dark side clouds everything. We can't see the future. We're having, we can't look into the future because the dark side is clouding it. Do you think it's possible that maybe Palpatine let Krell start to see sort of, you know, he lifted the clouds around Krell so that Krell could maybe look into the future and see these powers and maybe to find out what he would do? Cause we know that, that Palpatine does kind of have this, 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 these dark force users on his side in 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 the, the in the time of the empire we see you know the inquisitor uh, it's an obvious example of that on on rebels and so he's kind of letting krell see what's going to happen because he wants to get a reaction out of krell he wants to see how krell will react how the jedi could react if they found out and maybe some of them would go over to the dark side and you know it's also an experiment with the clones to see how the clones would react to an evil jedi and if the clones are actually capable of taking out the Jedi because there is I'm sure there's a question in Palpatine's mind of okay I'm, I'm trusting a lot in these cloners here that their technology will be right and so he, maybe he wants to see if, if all of this is possible and so I'm, I'm curious as to what you guys think and, and Chris I'll throw it to you um, what role could Palpatine have, have possibly played in this arc yeah. 
Well, I mean, I'm a big believer that there's there's very little or to, to no throwaway dialogue in, in the Clone Wars. And I think mm-hmm. if Palpatine comes up, it's because he's involved. Um, and I have no doubt that Palpatine has his hands all over what happens here. I mean, uh, <laughs> we've seen it time and time again where we actually do get to see how it plays out and how it serves, serves Palpatine, just to give you that confidence. But I'd never really had much of a grasp of well, what was in it for Palpatine. And I think you, you put that really, really well. It's a lot of great ideas. You know, it it is a potential test of the clones. You know, if, if Palpatine's intention was to have what ha- how this played out play out like it did, then yeah, it's a test of how does the Jedi respond, how, how do clones respond. And and I think definitely there's that possibility that, that Palpatine allowed Krell to see that a little bit more, you know. Um, and I think he probably did something similar with Dooku back in the day as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's it's maybe alluded to a little bit in the Plagueis novel, that kind of stuff. And I know the episode three novel, um, which again, debatable canon, but it, it talked about Palpatine's ability to like let Obi-Wan access more of the Force while they were fighting Grievous. Mm. Uh, if you remember, that was one of the early chapters of that book. And I think that's definitely in the Lucas library of, of what Palpatine's capable of doing. Uh, and it definitely fits with, with what we see in, in the episodes. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Kieran... Do you think there's a possibility that, that maybe, uh, you know, Palpatine uh, is clearly watching over everybody? Do you think he maybe noticed something in Krell and thought, hmm, maybe this guy will make a great Inquisitor someday? And that was part of part of the plan here is to maybe is to, to test Krell. Because this is a, may not only have been a test for the clones, uh, but a, a test for Krell as well. It rhymed. Well, I've got an, another little theory maybe to add into oh. the works here. But what if this is a, also a grand plan to test Dooku? Because Krell alludes to the fact that he wants to become Count Dooku's apprentice. Now, I've already seen in this Night Sisters trilogy that Dooku has plans to topple Lord Sidious. So for me, I'm intrigued. If Palpatine is behind this, which we can readily assume he is, what is the purpose of Krell assigned to this mission? Is he focusing... It on General Krell, or on the clones, or both, because I'm, I, I'm, I'm just throwing ideas into my own mind now. And um, he, as I said, he wants to become Count Dooku's apprentice. So this is the show for Count Dooku. To me, this demonstrates that he doesn't know who Lord Sidious is, and he doesn't know that Palpatine is the Sith Lord either. Mm-hmm. That that's just my interpretation from that. But I'd just be intrigued to see how this really would have unfolded had Count du- had Krell become Count Dooku's apprentice. Would they have conceived plans to supplant Lord Sidious from his position of power? Or would Count Dooku have courted him, as you said, Dominic, to become a Sith Inquisitor? How privy was Dooku to this? So there is this middle ground here. He doesn't talk about... He says there's this darkness rising a dark power is rising but it's very ambiguous and it's left that way to the audience so for me i don't know exactly what what palpatine would have wanted with this the logical assumption would be the sith inquisitor position but at the same time he's leaving his plan in jeopardy by allowing krell to ascend the mantle of becoming count dooku's apprentice which is why i do think that this plan has been created principally for the 501st legion and the clones there's a reason why anakin has been taken from that position now a lot of people have 
speculated that it's because they didn't want it. He didn't want Anakin to uh, be killed. He thought it was a too dangerous assignment. But the Sith aren't interested in that. You know, the, the more powerful you are, the more dangerous the mission. You're the, you're there to showcase your talents and your abilities. If you can't conquer and um, and surmount these challenges, then you do not have the you do not possess the right to become a Sith apprentice, a Sith lord. So for me, I think that this campaign revolves around the clones, and he wants he really wants to remove their individuality. I think more than anything else. But I, I, that's me speculating there. In terms of why the why Palpatine has created this plan, the purpose of it is it to do with the clones? Is it to do with Jedi Pong Krell, I think it's left quite open to interpretation for the audience. So I don't know if any of you two want to jump in on that. I'm, I'm kind of sitting on a fence in this one because I think it's, it is very much open to um, people's viewpoints and perceptions on it. I, I think you're quite right that it is very open. There's just one thought I want to throw in, and it's not really going to add to much of the debate, but Krell is, is a perfect candidate for an Inquisitor, I think. And that's not me saying that that was Palpatine's intention, but if you... The fact that he has these two double-ended lightsabers, yeah. if you look at everyone that Sidious ever brought in, with the exception of Vader, uh, to fight Jedi, you know, Maul had a double-ended lightsaber, Dooku had that crazy curved lightsaber, Grievous had four lightsabers, and it's <laughs> it's all about making Jedi fight against something they're not as familiar with. You know, one guy with one yeah. lightsaber, well, that's how a Jedi trains and spars every day they're in training or whatever else. But you get a lightsaber that's a little bit different and it becomes harder to fight against just because it's unfamiliar. Plus then you've got the fact of just how arrogant Krell is as well. He's perfect material for an Imperial Inquisitor, I think. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree absolutely. And and I, I think it very well could have been a, a test for, for both. I think it could have been a test for Krell and a test for the clones. It it, it doesn't have to be one or the other. I, I, you know, Palpatine is is spinning many plates. He's like Jar Jar in, in, in that episode from, <laughs> from season, season three. Um, yeah, I think that it's very possible he could have been testing multiple people to see how they would react to to this situation. And there was one thing that I think uh, made th- this arc a little bit um, a little bit creepier in in hindsight, and how this there's some interesting foreshadowing that takes place because uh, Clone Trooper Top is is actually the one to take down Krell. He's the one that stuns him. He's the one that that finally beats him. And and as we know from the Order sixty six arc, Top is the first one to to go crazy. Top is the one that that kills Jedi Master Tipli or Tiplar or Tiplau, whoever whatever that Jedi was. It, it was Top, and I thought that was a very sort of very interesting bit of foreshadowing. And 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 I'm I'm with you with you, Chris. I don't think anything is ever done, uh, you know, as a throwaway. I think this was a, an intentional uh, decision to to you know to to show. That or to foreshadow what would happen to Top, or it was one of those things like, oh well, Top took down Krell, so maybe we can add this in, and that makes that scene a little bit cooler. But I, I, that was one thing that when it happened, I sort of went, oh wow, that's that's kind of creepy to know that he was the one uh, to take down Krell and to know what he winds up doing uh, in season six. I thought that was a very uh, nice addition by the by the Clone Wars crew. Uh, I want to talk about Dogma. Uh, because Dogma is, is sort of – he is that clone that we kind of thought all the clones were. He takes every order unquestioningly. He's saying, oh, we should, we should trust the general. We should trust the general the entire time. And you know, his faith in, in the Republic is, is quite shaken and in the Jedi as well is quite shaken. And he's the one that actually 
kills Krell. So I'm curious what you guys thought of, of, of his character arc over over this episode. So, Kieran, I'll throw it to you first. What do you think of, of Dogma? Yeah, Dogma is certainly an interesting character. And just the, the title itself, you know, what that what that term means, you know, the sense that he's narrow-minded and and the fact that he, he he can't really think outside the box. And as you said, he's loyal and follows orders, heeds, his, heeds the instructions which have been imparted to him. And it was an interesting moment in the first episode with Anakin and Rex and Dogma when they have the, their exchange there. Um, and uh, you know, Rex tells Dogma to stand down and, and rest. Um, and he said, you know, Rex says something some to the effect of he's loyal. And then Anakin says, he kind of reminds me of you, to which Rick, Rex replies, maybe back in the day. And I think that's the, the juxtaposition, really, and the contrast between Rex and Dogma, I think, is very, very interesting. How Rex thinks that that's who he was back in the day, but he's now, whether it's enlightened or he has this uh, a, a far more unique outlook on on these events compared to the to that average dogmatic clone because to me i think dogma is a personification really of the of the entirety of the of the clone army really apart from the 501st that they are supposedly loyal to the republic they follow their orders because that's what they've been programmed to do and then when as you said dogma realizes that really he'd been serving um, a lie in the sense that krell was this evil malevolent sith inquisitor if you want to use that term or at least a sith acolyte well he he just becomes distraught and 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 i think it makes a lot of sense that he would be the one to actually execute krell in that final scene there i think it was very very fitting because he'd lost so much he believed he'd had faith in krell throughout this whole arc and it'd been shattered it was, this, it was just merely an illusion, a charade which had been concocted to, you know, to act to to force these clones to heed every order that was um, commanded to them. Which, again, if you imagine you believed something, you, you believed in this honourable moral code, and then you suddenly realise it's a lie. Well, it's going to be quite traumatic, and it's certainly a disturbing thought um, if. You, if, if that was to happen, you, your whole life has just been a sham. And that's what's happened to Dogma here. Um, but clearly as well, foreshadows, echoes of Order 66. Um, but it's also interesting how Dogma does this. If we are to believe that they are programmed, Dogma executes this. But he hasn't been programmed to do that. It was. It's not as if Palpatine said you know, that those famous words or execute Order 66. He's done that on his own accord. Um, and there's been no protocol or anything that stopped him from doing that, which I think is also quite intriguing from what we later see in the Order 66 arc when we learn that they they have this chip implanted in them. Um, so, yeah, in terms of Dogma's character, I think actually, although he didn't have a lot of lines per se, I think his character was very refreshing and interesting because it served really as a manifestation for the clone army as a whole, how we are able to actually dissect and and view the clones themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Chris, what did you think of, of, of Dogma's story arc? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's quite interesting, the, this comparison to sort of an early Rex, and I think it's it's very clever the way the show 
deliberately references that at the start, you know, the, with what Rex says back in the day, and it sort of reminds us of, of how Rex has developed. Uh, I think it's interesting as well because the description Kieran read at the start of Carnage of Krell talks about Rex having to make this this tough decision, but but Rex never actually has to make his decision, you know, and Dogma makes the decision for him, mm-hmm. and I still think that. And I know this is maybe a little bit more about Rex than it is about Dogma, but I think while Rex has loosened up, for want of a better term, since the early days of the Clone Wars, I think he still has problems with going against orders, and he's still quite a by-the-book clone. You know, he's got a lot of influence of Anakin on there, but his his gut is to honour his code, uh, as he says. And I think Dogma is just the... He's more extreme than Rex is in that. I think it's interesting how because Dogma is even more into the rules, he's even more upset um, by Krell's betrayal, and that's why he ends up being the one to pull the trigger. I think it's, I think he's representative of, of all the clones, as you guys say, but I think his story arc is like a, it's like a microcosm of Rex's. You know, Rex started that dogmatic um, right back in the Clone Wars movie, uh, and by this stage he is willing to pull a gun. But Dogma goes on that journey in these four episodes rather than in across four seasons. By this stage, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I quite uh, that I agree with what you guys are saying there about the uh, the comparisons uh, between those two characters and and how it was, yeah, like you said, it's a very similar journey that those two those two go on. Uh, well, before we before we uh, before we wrap up. Um, I do want to do want to ask you guys one more thing. I want to talk about that uh, that epilogue uh, that that we have to this this episode. And and uh, you know per- personally, my my I have a one issue with this arc, and that that is that Anakin never showed up again. And that I really feel that this uh, this epilogue would have benefited from Anakin showing up and and maybe reassuring Rex or or. or having some kind of conversation with Rex, much in the same way he did with Ahsoka at the end of the, uh, the brain invaders episodes. Uh, but, but that's, that's beside the point for, for right now, but we, we do get this very interesting conversation where, where Rex is just kind of asking these questions, but you know, he's asking, you know, what's the point of the war and, and why are they fighting? And then he sort of wonders what will happen to them after the, after the war ends and you know that, that's a question that we still don't necessarily know the answer to. I mean, how long do they become stormtroopers for before they're sort of phased out, and and all that those kind of questions. Um, but I do think it's very interesting that we we see these clones uh, questioning this this war that they're fighting now. That they're no longer we really this is really that that final sign to the audience that these guys are no longer the the automatons that we thought they were that we saw in episodes two and in the beginning of, of, of the, of the series. And we see them asking, you know, what, what's the point of the war? And, and I'm curious what you guys made of that scene, what you guys took away from it. So I'll, I'll throw it to you first, Chris, what, what were your thoughts on, on this kind of epilogue to this arc? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think with a lot of the Clone Wars stories and the way they did this sort of anthology episodic sort of story, storytelling whereby you would leave a character with, with a dramatic moment, Winter, something to, to think about or chew on, and then you come back and you visit that character down the line. Mm-hmm. And I think that was true of Rex more so than anyone else. You know, it was maybe once every other season, Rex got a really pivotal story arc and something that sort of changed his way of thinking. And I think that epilogue sort of lets us into where is his head at over the next sort of period of time until we next get a, a big arc with Rex, which I think the close we ever got to was probably the the order 66 stuff but for me what they're saying there's i think this is the start of 
Rex is now questioning it in, in a big way. You know, in this arc, I think Rex comes into it with a, maybe a nagging voice in the back of his head. You know, he's been through the events of the Deserter and, and four seasons worth of this war now. Um, and he's still loyal, honors his code and whatever else, but he's, he probably has this small doubt he wants to quiet. And by the end of this episode, he's openly discussing with other clones the fact that he has questions and doubts now. And I think yeah. that's what it's really a testament to. And, and from there, I think it, it would have been to set up Rex's sort of freedom to question, uh, further, further forward. And, and like we sort of discussed earlier, I don't think he would have still been in the army by the time of, um, Order 66, either deserted or, or whatever else, but I think this was really, it's the start of him looking into more, more detail into things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Karen, what were, what were your thoughts on, on the ep- epilogue? Um, to be honest, I thought the epilogue I was a little bit disappointed with, and I, I, I did like the scene, but I wanted more. Yeah. I wanted it fleshed out more. I think there was still a lot that was left unresolved throughout this entire arc, and I think in general that's sadly um, one of the one of the major flaws of the Clone Wars as a TV show. As I said, it's a phenomenal show. I we I love it. That's why I'm talking about it now. But when people are comparing the Clone Wars and Rebels, one of the main points that, that people think Rebels has been far more successful on than the Clone Wars is this continuity aspect. We never really got a fallout from what happened after Krell was executed. We recognize that Dogma, he, as, as the one who executed Krell, he would have to go to this military trial and be court-martialed and most likely found guilty, which I'm sure was another reason why the Clone Wars decided not to choose Rex uh, <laughs> to be the one to execute Krell. Otherwise, he would have to go through that process. Although, again, it would be interesting for his story arc, I guess. But in terms of that final that final exchange between Rex and Fives, as Chris and both and both and, and yourself, Dominic, have stated, I think what it demonstrates is that Rex has this grander view now of the world. Instead of this dogmatic, narrow minded view and adherent to dogma himself, he has a far more broader idea of what is going on in this world and he he sees that as He's not this um, just uh, automaton that's been uh, genetically engineered, that he's an individual. And once the war is over, what is the function of the clones? What is their purpose? And he wants more, I think, than the war can offer. And that's a good point because no clone really ever, well, from until this arc, we've never seen any clone go through that process before. Um, I mean, we saw the deserter, we saw... Um, uh, his his name escapes me now. Um, who, who the Cut clone the Queen. Cut the Queen. Cut the Queen. That's the one. Yeah, we <laughs> see we see Cut the Queen has left the war for, you know, for legitimate reasons that he's seen his whole squad die and he thought the war is not for me. And is that really an act of cowardice or is that actually an act, an act of bravery in itself that you are able to distance yourself from that? So I I I, I did like the exchange between Rex and Fives itself. But I wanted more, and I think that's what disappointed me. And as you said, Dominic, had Anakin come at the end here, that would have been a nice moment to really round off this arc, that we can see how the clones have changed from the beginning of this arc when they were with Anakin and they were following the orders and uh, we didn't really see too much of their individual personalities. Now, by the end of this arc, what would 
the reaction be of Anakin Skywalker? What would the exchanges have been like? Those are questions which I think would have been very, very interesting. And it's just a shame that we didn't get it answered. But had the show not been cancelled, I would like to think those questions would have been answered at some point. And because it's open to interpretation, and we know now that the we have the Legends universe and the Disney canon verse, um, I'd like to think that the producers in Disney and Lucasfilm, the writers, they, they would be able to, uh, or the story group even, they would be able to concoct and, and actually compose a book dedicated to the clone storyline because it's a big question that still has yet to be answered and I think it needs to be resolved really. I, I, would, I think a lot of people would want to find out and discover where Rex's story has climaxed and ended. Um, but then again, we, as we don't know what happens, perhaps he'll, he'll turn up in Rebels. I tell you what, people are talking about a grand season finale. I think if a character like Rex was to emerge on the scene, I think that would make a grand finale. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So is, is there anything else you guys want to bring up about this episode or shall we uh, get into some favorite quotes? Um, I don't I don't necessarily have anything else to add. All right. yeah, no, uh, so. Do you have anything, Chris? Um, no, no, I'm good. All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's get into some favorite quotes, some some great moments from this arc. And, and man, oh, man, there were a lot of them. Uh, Kieran, are, are you ready? Do you think you can go first this week? I can go first, and I'm going to start off with darkness on Umbara. Um, actually, no, I'm not ready. I thought I was oh. ready, but I'm not. So I'll, I'll let I'll let someone else go first. Well, I'll, well, I'll, I'll ask you, Chris. Do you have a favorite uh, quote from from any of the episodes, or, or a favorite moment, or, or just something in in them that that stood out to you? Yeah, I mean. Um... I feel I have to say a favorite quote is um, when Hard Case uh, gets off his ship and tells the guys to get out there, and, and he yells, "This is for the five hundred and first. Yeah, I can't not mention that one. <laughs> uh, and another five hundred first good moment is uh, at the start of Darkness on Umbara when uh, when Top first trips over that vine, uh, and that is something that happens co- not not vines, but we're constantly tripping into stuff and, and over boxes and curves, and it's it's a wonderful if you've trooped in stormtrooper armor ever it, it has happened to you kind of moment you felt for, confrontation, uh, the first confrontation between um rex and krell at the end of darkness on umbara uh, when rex pulls the helmet off and it's uh, not clones men is such a powerful scene you know the, the stuff comes out of fives uh, and the threat back from krell is definitely one of my favorite moments yeah. and um Essentially, for quotes, anything that comes out of Krell's mouth. I mean, his voice was just so cool. You know, the Suti 55, 55. Um, <laughs> and, of course, who can forget when he says uh, booby trap? I don't think I've ever heard uh, the word booby sound quite so funny. A booby trap. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, uh, that'll be me for quotes. <laughs> great, great stuff. All right. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can top, if I can top booby trap. I, I, that's that that may be the the pinnacle of quotes for all time <laughs> on this show. Uh, but a, a quote that really uh, was was that I quite liked. Um, 
was a uh, was one from Hard Case. I, I can't remember which episode this was from, but they were about to engage in one of the uh, you know Krell's you know suicide missions, and all the clones are sitting around arguing about you know if if this is possible, if they can do this, if it would be right to not go on on the mission. And Hard Case just kind of goes, I don't know, could be fun, and sort of revs up his gun. I quite like that moment. I thought that was that was very very funny. Another another Hard Case moment. Hard Case really was was one of those clones that stood out in in this this arc and he it's sad to see him go um but he he, he does did use the classic han solo line he said i prefer a good fight to all this sneaking around um and then a more emotional line from fives that that i quite quite liked uh, where he says uh where's the honor in in marching blindly to our death and i thought that was a very interesting moment from fives and it, it kind of go, relates back to a lot of the things we talked about with fives and and him and, and his experiences and, and his role in this arc as as an arc trooper and, and for standing up to Krell, who you know pulled his lightsaber on him at, at one point. That was quite a quite a moment. Um, another fives line. <laughs> I may be taking all these good, all the good ones here, Karen. But uh, sorry, this is what's what you get for not being ready. <laughs> when he's uh, <laughs> when he's talking on the uh, uh, to Krell over the uh, over the the phone, I guess. Oh, the com link, com link. Blank don't come like that. It's not a phone. Come on, man. Come on. Um, but he's, he's, he says nothing is out of control here when hard case is going nuts with that, with that, um, bar and fighter. I thought that was a, a very, very lighthearted moment in an otherwise quite dark episode and, and arc. And finally, uh, from Carnage of Krell, uh, Krell saying it's treason then. Very, you know, of course, using the, uh, using the Palpatine line from episode three and, you know, that, that line, you know, it, 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 that's not one of those lines I, I, they should use lightly, but they used it very well uh, in this episode, uh, episode arc. And so, Kieran, are you, are you ready? Do you have your quotes now uh, to give? Amazingly, you haven't actually nicked any of my quotes, oh, really? which I was surprised <laughs> about. So uh, I don't know what that says about me more than anything else. So we're going to go I on think, to I think darkness. It speaks, on... I think it speaks to these episodes that there's just so many great moments in them that it that, that you can we can all pick so many different ones. Sorry, do continue. Exactly. Well, there's just a, a rich diversity. So that's that's what I'm going to use as my justification. Okay. The first one I've got is darkness on Umbara. The the exchange between Anakin and Obi Wan on that shuttle. When Anakin says, does my battalion have to do everything? And Obi-Wan says, you always seem to volunteer. <laughs> I just like their little bit of banter, even though it was only a, a small exchange at the beginning of the episode. The second one I've got is from the episode Plan of Descent. Um, I didn't get any from the general in the end, but that's not testament to the lack of quotes, just the sense that it was an action set piece more than anything else. And so there wasn't anything that necessarily stood out to me. But uh, I did like that hard case quote that you just said there, Dominic, about yeah. <laughs> um, <I'm>, <laughs> I want to do this for fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, I actually got a hard case quote from the episode Plan of Descent. And it's when the clones have commandeered the starfighters and they're about to head up to space or they're, they're in orbit around the planet. And Jesse says... You know, I'm only doing this because I don't like him. And then Hardcase <laughs> says, well, I'm only doing this just for fun, which I thought was another great one just to... Now, but I think his, his character mirrored heavy. That's that's the clone that came to mind when I mm-hmm. saw Hardcase. And yeah, he was a very fun character. And then the final one, which I think was the my favourite from the entire arc, um, is the is the five speech in the Carnage of Krell episode when they're about to get executed. So... Uh, Put your seatbelts on, people. We'll be here a while. <laughs> and the speech is, wait, 
This is wrong and we all know it. The general is making a mistake and he needs to be called on it. No clone should have to go out this way. We are loyal soldiers, we follow orders, but we are not a bunch of unthinking droids. We are men and we must be trusted to make the right decisions, especially when orders we are given are wrong. And then bam, bam, bang, they all shoot. And uh, that was a great moment. That was extremely dramatic. And I I was just so absorbing, really, in that speech. It, it really made me sympathize with the clones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. One other moment I, I, I do want to bring up. There was a very nice use of the Force theme in, in, in these episodes when, yes. when Fives was talking about uh, Anakin uh, blowing up the, the droid con- control ship as we saw in The Phantom Menace. Uh, very nice and very subtle use of the Force theme. All right, so that is going to wrap things up for this episode. Thank you, everybody so much for listening we've had a blast talking about it uh but we're not we're not done yet we've still got final thoughts and scores out of 10 so uh chris since you are the guest i'll let you go first what are your final thoughts on the umbara arc and uh get, why not give it a score out of 10 yeah um i think it's absolutely a pivotal arc for, for rex and his fellow clones uh it's a shame we never really got to see the the full payoff but it it holds up really, really well. Uh, it's a beautiful arc, particularly if you watch it on the on the Blu-ray. So there's so much detail and lighting going on in there, um, and it's still a really gripping um, battle sequence to watch. And it it holds up on, on multiple watch. Um, I, I may be completely biased being a member of the Five O First, but I'm going to give these episodes a, a nine and a half out of ten. Uh, I think there's very little that they did wrong, uh, and I think in the grand scheme of the Clone Wars, this is by far one of the, one of the best arcs. Oh. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Karen, how about you? Final thoughts and score out of 10. Final thoughts. I think that this is a outstanding, groundbreaking arc, really, as Chris has aptly put there. The fact that this really, in the grand scheme of the Clone Wars, is a huge arc, and it sets up not just added complexion, I guess, to the war, but... It's really a character-centered story, and we really get to delve into the the clones' personalities. We get to actually um, evolve. We get we get to learn more about Fives' character. We also are able to see where Rex's story is likely to go, and I think that that trajectory of of the clones' journey, I think, is very very interesting. Where where is it likely to go? And I think we get a very good idea in these episodes but it's also a great action arc i think this is one of the standout ones in the entire series of obviously we have the geonosis arc of season two i think of the arc trooper episode in season three but this is a whole four-part arc which is just absolutely fantastic filled with just so many thrilling battle sequences and and of course we'd be remiss to mention uh, walter murch who directed the general episode and that was, in terms of action set piece, that was up there with the best that you'd ever see. It was just cinematic, and that is a great compliment I can give to the show. And obviously, Krell's story, very, very interesting, and it's just... The discussion that we've had has really enlightened, at least I would like to think uh, for myself, just the different ways in which we can interpret his story arc and where did he begin, where was he going to go. So, all in all... I have to give this one a 10 out of 10, and I don't usually give those, but this one deserves it. It's just a fantastic arc. Dominic, over to you. Final thoughts and score out of 10. 
Oh yeah. Well, I, I'm going to give this one a, a solid eight out of ten. So much great action, uh, so much fun, so many great character moments. As you guys said, uh, so much uh, important things happening for characters like Rex. I really do think um, that had the Clone Wars been able to continue the way it was always meant to, this would have wound up being a, a crucial turning point for Rex as something that we would look back on and see. Uh, this is where this is where things started to change for Rex. This is where Rex really started to. Uh, come into his own as as a as a character as a as a person not just as a clone trooper and where he maybe began to start questioning orders and start questioning everything he was being told so uh you know as, as much as it's a shame that we didn't get to see that happen um this arc is still a phenomenal phenomenal example of great of great action great adventure great suspense um a, a phenomenal villain who really uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes Clone Wars villains felt, uh, that they weren't always, we felt they weren't always evil enough for that. That was definitely not the case with General Krell. He was, he was evil, uh, through and through, and he was definitely a character that, uh, really is not one that you, uh, not one that is forgettable and he gets brought up later in the series. So he's not forgettable for the characters either. And that's great. So yeah, absolutely eight out of 10 from me. Alright, so we want to thank everybody so much for listening. Don't forget you can keep up with, uh, with whenever we release new episodes by liking us on Facebook. Just search The Clone Wars Strikes Back on Facebook. Uh, like us over there. Uh, if you want to keep having some Clone Wars stuff in your newsfeed, um, that is the page to like. Also, uh, follow us on Twitter. I am at DominicJ25. Kieran's at CDuggan6. The show is at TCW Strikes Back. Uh, Chris, are you, are you on Twitter? Oh, unfortunately, I never use Twitter. Oh, I never use Twitter. Uh, well, is there a way that people can uh, can keep up with you or keep up with the uh, with the Irish garrison of the five hundred first and and know when you guys are going to show up at some awesome events yeah, out in Ireland? Well, we uh, like like most garrisons in I post, we have a Facebook page, and you can find us either by searching five hundred first Ireland Garrison on Facebook or go to facebook dot com slash five hundred first Ireland Garrison. But I would really strongly recommend every listener to this show. Find out who your local uh, garrison or outpost is and follow them on Facebook just to get an idea of, of where and when you might meet a stormtrooper down in time. Yeah. And uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. It's, like, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show. You were there at the beginning. You helped kick off kick off the show with the first two episodes, and it has been far too long since you have been yeah. on the show. Uh, please come back soon. Don't wait another year to come back <laughs> because uh, if you do – well, the show might be over by then because we yes. are in the uh, in the home stretch. So, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was absolutely my pleasure uh, and an honor to be here with you guys. I mean, I think this show has really come on from strength to strength. Um, having been there in the early days and um, listening to the show now, you guys have come on a long, long way. Uh, and long may you guys continue. When you finish the Clone Wars, find something else. Maybe I'll come on to Rebel Strikes Back, <laughs> or um, if you ever choose the holiday special, Droid Strikes Back, whatever. Bring it all on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? Who knows what yeah. what what else? Uh, what, what other Star Wars things uh, could be coming down the line from uh, from us? But we do uh, we do want to let you guys know to keep keep your eyes open in the next couple of weeks for uh, for some information on a new show that Kieran and I will actually be doing. Uh, we we won't say much about it yet, um, but it's going to be fun. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. Uh, Kieran, uh, are are things back with uh, with Expression FM? They will be back this week as we begin our relaunch, and it's going to be an absolute mad week. 
this week where it's pretty much non-stop expression for the entire week and that's that's for the university that's what they have to endure and um, <laughs> it's a good thing that they have to endure though so every time they're going up to the library going up to their lectures they'll be hearing radio booming out and some questionable tunes no doubt that have been selected <laughs> if i hear barbie girl one more time i will not be happy <laughs> so we have got a lot of stuff coming up usual saturday sports show returns this saturday from 11 a.m till 2 p.m that is gmt so for you people in america that'll be five hours before <laughs> so get up at 6 a.m and get your radios plugged in we've also got the sunday sporting brunch returning on on Sunday, of course, and that's from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., so even earlier, you can get up at 5 a.m. instead. <laughs> and then the final one is Tuesday Night Sport, which we'll be considering all the live coverage from the Premier League, Champions League, and Capital One Cup. So please do get in touch with that, and that will be on Tuesdays from 8 p.m. till 11 p.m. So that will be around about 2 to 3 in the afternoon. Do get involved with that. Cannot wait to be getting back onto that. But Dominic, you've also got your own podcast, haven't you, that you may want to disclose to the listeners? Yeah, yeah. I want to remind everybody to check out the weekly Star Wars Underworld podcast. It's where we talk about all things uh, Star Wars, Star Wars news uh, in particular. We're Of course, we're getting set for the release of Star Wars Episode Seven later this year. We can actually say that later this year uh, there will be a new Star Wars movie in the theater. So there's no better way to get excited excited for that and then by listening to that show each and every week we keep you up to date all the latest news and rumors and spoilers maybe uh that are, that are going on as well as uh discussing each and every rebels episode as it comes out and everything else that is that gets released uh that is star wars related uh as as it comes out and uh the latest episode is out with an interview with star wars author daniel wallace he's written a ton of great star wars novels including the essential atlas uh the jedi path the sith code and he was there to talk about the imperial uh, Imperial Guidebook or uh, the Imperial Handbook and uh, a Commander's Guide, which which is a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Uh, if, if you're into stormtroopers, if you're into things like the 501st Legion, you should definitely check that out and uh, should listen to the interview with Dan. So you can catch live episodes of that every Thursday night at 9 p.m. on channel 1138.com and uh, episodes are released to the iTunes feed the very next day. Speaking of the iTunes feed, subscribe to the Star Wars Underworld on iTunes. That's where you'll get every episode of this show and the Star Wars Underworld podcast, two for the price of one, and that price is absolutely free. So subscribe there to never miss any content from us. And hey, if you like the shows or or if you like this show or you like the other show, uh, be sure to leave us a review. We always appreciate those. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, We'll see you in a few weeks when we come back to talk about the uh what's what's the the, the slavers arc that's not oh that's a huge arc that we'll have to talk about so again thank you everybody for listening and may the force be with you